episode 284 of the Sleeper in the Bus. It is your Sunday edition coming at you special on a Monday morning. I'm Paul Spohr, joined as always by Jason Collette on the Sunday Transformed into Monday episode. How are you doing, Jason? Yeah, thank you, Christopher Columbus, for being a, a giant jackass and stealing things that weren't <laughs> yours and giving me a holiday. So... <laughs> This is why I have today off, which it's is fun. great because the Astros start playing in about 25 minutes. <laughs> I mean, listen, we can we can get down that rabbit hole. I fully agree with what you're what you're saying about him, but give some thanks because he did give you the day off with four playoff games, and the Blue Jays staving off elimination against the Rangers last night ensured that we would get a four pack. Uh, or else that game, uh, that series could have been finished. So we're going to talk a lot about playoffs. We are going to get some fantasy stuff kind of weaved in. We're going to talk about some guys doing well in the playoffs and kind of how it relates to their their 2015 or excuse me 2016 outlook. Uh, we're going to talk a bit about your your predictions. You, you did your NL and AL uh, bold predictions and kind of reviewed that uh, reviewed those columns. Obviously, we're doing all those reviews at at Rotographs. You did yours for Rotowire. We're obviously still going to review them though. We're friends with those guys. We want to see what you said. I, I took an offer um, with my bold predictions and the commentary it did not approve. They were just they were very displeased by my offer 10. I think you did a bit better. We'll Ooh. discuss that. We're, oh, I'm looking at it now. Okay, I'm I'm seeing I see Brandon wrote the piece. Which piece? Because I, I missed that. I've obviously been busy this week. Uh, you took an O for wow. Yeah. I oh well, it happens. I was only. It happens. I, mean, I did sixty, so I I flung enough poo up on the wall, so some of it stuck. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I did sixty, and I think I got twenty-eight out of sixty. That's pretty good. So yeah, if you fling enough poo, something sticks. That's pretty good though, and and yeah, and you did some some really good ones. We're gonna get into some of my favorites, some of yours, but let's start with the playoffs, and let's start with something that doesn't have really uh, any fantasy impact, but but big-time baseball implications, and we need to talk about it. We need to talk about the Chase Utley slide. Now, I was gone at ACL all weekend, so I didn't see everything 100% or live necessarily, but I know what's going on with this situation. So I did. I was able to follow that, but let's go ahead and, and talk a bit about it. You know, Chase Utley makes the slide, trying to, you know, allegedly trying to break up a double play. It was a pretty dang late slide, and of course, the reason it's being blown up like this for the right reason, obviously, is because there was uh, damage. There was big damage. It broke the leg of Ruben Tejada. And, you know, once again, we have another one of these. Started to see some heat come around it with the Jungle Gong, Chris Coglin situation, but it, it kind of died out. And now we have another one here, high profile in the playoffs. And I think, and you can correct me if you think I'm wrong, but I think this will be the impetus finally for a rule change. First off, where do you stand on it? Maybe if you want to give a, a little bit of a review on exactly what happened as you saw it as well. All right, so and, and if we never really got a chance to talk about the Jung Ho Kong one, and from what I could, from what I recall on Twitter, you and I actually disagreed on that one. Um, but I think we're going to be in agreement here. And your, one of your last comments you just made there is kind of where I would build my case around this impetus for change. Um, you know, Utley's going to play tonight. He should. He is absolutely due his due process. If you're the league's going to suspend you, he can appeal. Mm -hmm. He can say, look, you can't throw the suspension on me on a Sunday night and say you want to have the appeal Monday morning because I'm in town. You know, exactly. I need to be able to build my case. Frankly, it should only take a decent lawyer. Hell, it could take a decent fan five minutes to build the case against this because you could show 300 other slides that anyone has done, including the one Utley did earlier, uh, early in September against, against, uh, 
uh, Jed Jerko when he could, he That's was right. at least a full forearms length away from the bag and no call. What even automatic out? So there is a lot of a lot of stuff being screwed up here on all sides. Umpires in the game could have automatically called a double play on that because by the way the rule is written, uh, it's called willful and deliberate uh, activity. If you don't slide was. until you're over the bag, that's willful and deliberate. They automatically say out, out, and done. That would have changed the complete thing um, of that play. And that's really where I get really upset about this one. I have never cared for this. Uh, you know, even when they came in the replay and they said, but we're going to leave the neighborhood play uh, in, in play. I'm like, no, 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 that's a chicken bleep way of dealing with this problem. And it, it, one of the things I've suggested is, create something that says you have to initiate your slide within a stride of the bag. So if you're going to be a guy that's going to roll through like your Hal McCrate Jr., you know, makes you, you're going to have to like, okay, where am I at? Oh, I mean, when I played baseball, when I was going to go slide, I knew when I was going to slide, even if we were trying to break up double play, the way our coach talked about it is move the feet, Mm -hmm. go at the foot. Don't go any higher. Don't go spike high. Yep. Move, make him dance, Same make him thing. tap dance. And that was the, that was the, what we were taught is make him tap dance. And if you go at it and he, and he said, if you come in high and they hit it off your head with a throw, that's your thing. He that's goes, get thing. down, move the feet. Those are the two th- things we were told. Um, and that's what I really, I really dislike this play because I mean, you want to talk about the due process of the union member. I mean, Ruben Tejada is his union brethren, right? And it's not like as a guarantee these guys can come back from him. I mean, Iwamura was done. His career was absolutely toast him. once once um, uh, Chris Coughlin took his legs out. Ruined him. I mean, we don't know what the case is going to be with Jung Ho Kong. We hope that he comes back fine. There's no guarantee. There's no guarantee with Tahan. I mean, broken, broken legs are... are is nothing to be uh, – I'm trying to think. There's another baseball player that had broken – because Iwamura was a knee injury. But there was somebody else that had broken leg. And really, it's another middle infielder, and his name's escaping me. Uh, but there's no guarantee for this. And this, to me, this is willful and deliberate when you wait until you're over the bag to do something. And it distracted – not only did it distract from the rest of that game, it was all anybody was talking about last night because it's broke during the middle of the game too. Uh, and they, they try to hide it late in the night. And it's all that anybody's going to be talking about tonight because, because this is the first playoff game in, in City Field this se- during the series. They have to do pregame introductions. There's a good chance Chase Utley is going to start this game because he has hit well against Matt Harvey. And that's all anybody's going to want to talk about. And maybe baseball says, okay – you know what? We're going to uh, we're going to issue a pregame warning, no beating. And there again is the bigger issue. These guys exactly. continue doing these slides because there's no retribution. You're exactly. not getting fined. You're not getting suspended. And half the time, you know, with him, let's say Chase Utley doesn't even start today. Let's say you know, let's say he didn't do well against Harvey. He comes in as a pinch hitter. Well, you're going to bring Chase Utley in as a pinch hitter with dudes on base, and you can't plunk a guy to make a point with dudes on base because it only makes it even worse. So he gets away with it. There's, you know, your National League fans. Oh, it's BS that the the, the AL pitchers don't hit because they can bean dudes with, with no retribution. What about this crap? You could take dudes out Literally the field with no retribution. Yeah. So it, there's it's my rant. Crazy. No, it's, it's crazy. <laughs> it, that, was, that was a perfect rant. Was uh, Siyoshi Nishioka the guy you were thinking of? Because that his, may be one of them. His career somebody was, had a broken leg. Yeah. yeah. The, the, the twins import, uh, middle infield import from Japan, his, his career was over before it ever started. Uh, 2011, broken leg, 
and never got off the ground. That's when he came over. He ended up with 26, uh, excuse me, 68 games that year, putting up a, a 48 OPS plus. And that was ostensibly the end of his major league career. Uh, he, he went back. He went back uh, to Japan and, and has well, played. I say it's Asian infielders who don't, you know, maybe it's because over in uh, in the Asian baseball leagues, they actually they don't get murdered. Play baseball. They yeah. don't play football. Uh, you know, one of these kind of things, but it's kind of ridiculous. No, it, it's. You can't blame it on because they're, they're, they play baseball the way it's taught. And again, baseball is a sport of incidental contact. If you want to see purposeful contact like that, I mean, Try shoot, in soccer, sport. you get red carded. In football, you get personal foul. And in baseball, you have former baseball players on Twitter saying, hey, hey. Uh, that's good hard in most baseball players. It's, rah, 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 it's rah, just rah. how we do. It's just how we do. How we do it. Um, what was your take necessarily on the Coughlin uh, gong one? I thought it was late, but I mean, part of my bias is there because he was the same dude who ruined Evil Murr uh, well, with, I, with the rate. I thought it was a late side. I thought it was high. That was the other thing. I, getting back to my earlier point about coming in low and moving feet, I thought it was high. We, no, we agree. And then we, we agree. Can go back. The, my, we can my, even go back to the uh, the Matt Holiday Marco Scudero. Yes. I thought that was egregious as well, and that was let. And that's really what I would do if I was Chase Utley's lawyer. Walk in. And press play and drop the keyboard and walk out. I mean, you know that slide there. You didn't find anyone there. Why are you going to find? Why are you going to suspend my guy? That's. But I think this. I think the rule changes this offseason. There needs to be a change, and and this could this will be the impetus for it. But I don't necessarily believe that Utley needs to bear the brunt of everyone's problems by by taking a suspension. So well, it's going to be the Utley rule. I, yep. I, you know, just like it was the Posey rule and Scott Cousins. I think this is going to be the Utley rule. I think, I mean, you look at Utley's numbers. It's not like, I, I don't know if people, I think he retires after this season. Uh, frankly, just the numbers look poor. You can see oh, it's yeah. a guy on the downside of his career anyhow, but this is going to be the Utley rule. He's going to live on whether he wants to or not. Yep. It, it's going to be. And, and I'm okay with that because there's too many of these. It just doesn't make any sense. Like the only, only excuse for it. Uh, is always that's the way it's always been and whenever that's your primary reason for something you know that it's problematic because again yes. we can go through all the social it's, situations it's, and in lot where, everything. yeah well, because usually it's social issues where that that was what was, the carrying norm was well it's always been that way okay well then we'll continue to do these atrocious things and i know it's not on the same level of the social things that we used to say that about but it, it, it's stupid it, it needs to be done and we need to move on from it so we'll see how that goes it's obviously going to be quite a chilly reception for utley in new york tonight when he's announced it was nichioka by the way Let's uh, let's move on to some players that we want to talk a little bit more favorably about. Some of these guys that are having great postseasons um, that's probably going to impact – and it can even be carryover from the regular season, but they're going to impact both their offseason uh, if they're pending free agents and then their 2016 season. It's going to be – they're going to be really interesting players in the fantasy market. We're going to start with one who isn't going to change teams barring a trade, which I doubt, because he was amazing after his call-up. And he's been he's been good already in the playoffs here uh, in short order, making some moves, not necessarily hitting the ball crazily, but getting on base any way he can and, and wreaking havoc. That's Rugnet Odor. Only two for 10 uh, hitting, but he's been on base 385 clip, scored five runs for them in three games. He's been huge. And again, that carries on the end of a great season for him. It started off as poorly as it possibly could have. When he was sent down yes. after 29 games this year, Odor had a 144-252-233 line. 29 games of that, like that's not a huge sample, but that's about as bad as it can get. And it's like, wow, maybe he was overmatched. You know, this young guy who showed some things last year, it's not working. 
goes down, gets his head right for about, let's see, what was that? That was about a, a half month. Uh, no, actually about a month, just shy yeah. of a month, 34 games that, that, that he missed with the team. So I guess that's over a month. I'm an idiot. But either way, comes back up, finishes 91 games with the club, and then puts up a 292, 334, 527 line for Odor with 15 homers. Only five steals, only five for 10. So we didn't like the speed, but the power output was tremendous. Like I said, 527 slug. Completely flipped his season, turned it into a positive season. Got to love this 22-year-old going into next year. He should be the guaranteed second baseman. How are you viewing Odor um, as a result of the the hot finish, the quality playoff? Everything's kind of coming together for this 22-year-old. How high are you getting him up for next year at, uh, at second base? Top six at the position. I mean, I was asked, though, over the weekend, is he a top 12? I'm like, easily, uh, you know, oh, top yeah. six, but maybe even better. When you look at it, I mean, as you said, before his call, he was horrendous. I happened to see because he was playing the Rays in, in, in his final series before his demotion. And in that final game he played, he struck out on a pitch that bounced just near the grass and dirt cutout. It was bad. And then he then he struck out on a fastball that was up at his eyes later in that same game. And I'm like, this dude is completely lost. It absolutely and this was a guy he went I want to say I want to say Jeff Erickson bought him for 15, 16 bucks I believe and, it. and ailed out. And I know there was a lot of there was a lot of legitimate hype because he looked good coming into the season and then you watched in that April and May. And that's one of these cases where you're like Okay, is it injury? No, he wasn't hurt. It just all of a sudden, Mental. you know, baseball, it gets in your head and then forget it. You, you start trying to do everything. Yep. And since you choose at the same kind, you know, he made the adjustment and he had a terrific second, you know, August 1st on was just out of his mind uh, kind of thing. But you know, it's a mental thing for him. And but what we've seen, what we saw after his promotion this year, legitimized what he did last year and his track record before that. And, you know, definitely, he's definitely a guy that I, I can see going higher, a lot higher this year, maybe even higher than he did last year. Yeah. You when know, the, 16 when the bucks. Hype was high. Yeah. yeah. When the hype was high, he could, because he's definitely helping himself this postseason. Uh, you know, with the base, you know, the base running, he's been a reckless, <laughs> reckless abandonment, if you will. Yeah. It's working. Uh, but, it's working, and, and again, he's 22. Uh, we get back to the age appropriateness as a guy that should be in a, you know, is playing. Everybody else is already home or, or is is in the Arizona Fall League, and he is, uh, you know, he's out there doing, he's out there playing out there. But right now, I mean, at the, at the position, if we look at second base, you know, Gordon, Altuve, Carpenter's still going to have his eligibility. No. Kinsler, Cano. No, see, um, I'm, just, I went, I'm looking at I'm looking at the RotoWire uh, well, dollar value list. I I'm hit just... six with you. I, 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 six was the number you said. I was right there with you. Altuve, Gordon, okay. Dozier. I still got Rendon yep. up there because I still believe a healthy Rendon is going to be good. Cano and then Odor for me. And yeah. then I and then I got Kinsler, Kipnis right behind them. Spare me your Jason Kipnis stuff, people. I'm not I'm not hearing. Jason Kipnis anymore. I'm just, I'm not that impressed. He's a top 12 guy at the position. He's not a top three, top four guy. I think Odor is better. One quick, one quick thing on Odor before we move on. We're now 10 uh, for 24 uh, on the bases as a major leaguer. What's up? What's up there? Is that something that's going to improve or fade away from his game entirely in your estimation? Again, super young. I, I'm trying to think of guys that have gotten better. I, I know he's super young. 
super young and it hasn't learned everything in the league. I think a lot um, of it is that though. It's because you even said running with reckless abandon that we've seen in the playoffs. You know, he's kind of uh, didn't steal third, but you know what I mean. Um, on that one hopper where everyone had to kind of converge around the pitcher's mound, Donaldson was one of them too, and it was going to be a quote unquote routine ground ball until it hung up in the air. Odor slid in the second, saw that nobody was at third, and kind of you know stole that base uh, with some heads up base running. So he's out there alert trying to be aggressive I think just too aggressive from some of the stuff I've seen some of the times that he's taken taken off didn't love the spot ends up getting picked off I don't think that uh, that we should worry too much just yet since he's still young I still think it can be a key part of his game if he gets somebody who can actually teach him what's going on on the bases and he makes it a focus this is a guy who stole 32 back in 2013 across uh, some minor league levels and 19 the year before. So he's, he's shown speed in the past. Do you think he can get safe double digits next year? Uh, yeah, I think he can. I mean, he definitely has the ability to. I just think it's more of a, his ability to read the runners, to read yeah. the, the moves, the pickoff moves, things like that. And then if he doesn't get better, I think they're going to put a, a red light on him. So he's going to have to kind of prove early. Let's jump over to another guy from uh, on, a, on a Texas team on the opposite end of the spectrum here, though. He's going to be a free agent. He's a little bit older, going to be 29 next year, and his game is pure power. And that's Kobe Rasmus. The dude is mashing and, you know, really becoming kind of one of those postseason stars because uh, he's already got three, three homers, one in the wild card game, two in the DS. Just, I mean, when he was coming up, he was kind of a do everything player, a little bit of a little bit of chip in speed, could hit for some average defense, had the pop as well. He's kind of evolved into a, a pure masher and never fully got going in Toronto, had the 2013 season, but then fell back again in 2014 down to 18 homers and kind of blah. This year it was it was solid, you know, 238 average. We know that's not the end of the world anymore the way it used to be. You can absorb that for 25 bombs. The power's there, going to be 29, free agent. How are you viewing Colby Rasmus right now as he kind of uh, improves his offseason stock? Well, you know, he has, in the last six years, he has a three, a four, and a five-win season uh, and under his belt. And the postseason stock thing, my concern with him is that he goes, you know, he's just turned 29 in August. My concern was he, he heads down the, uh, the the Nick Swisher path, but he doesn't have the, you know, he doesn't. The, the walks walk to support him. Well, the walk this year was the second highest career, but the strikeouts were still were still there. But I think a lot of that is he had to play. And we talked about this really early in the season that the ALS had a lot of left handed starting pitching. Uh, and I at 137 games played and 485 plate appearances. I'm, I'm guessing he had to face some lefties that he normally would not uh, would not have. But he's got 20 home runs in three of the past four seasons. You draft him for two, three categories uh, and you hope that he can hit over 250. He's only done in the last six seasons. Honestly, this selfishly, this was a guy I was hoping Tampa Bay could get it in the offseason because left-handed power is something they could use, but he may be pricing himself out of the market. That's the thing, is that... With the, he's hitting cleanup today, and yeah. Hinch is just basically like, dude, the guy's killing the ball. Why, I mean, why, why wouldn't we? The, the, the stroke looks great right now. I mean, he, he is smashing these two. These aren't these aren't BS homers for Kobe Rasmus. He He's really turned into a power beast, and he kind of has all those trademarks you mentioned. The, the strikeout rate's high, 32% this year, 33% last year, 10% walk rate. If he can hang around that area... You can live with it. It's it's not that bad. He pulls the ball like crazy, 52 and 53% the last two years. He's going for power. Uh, the fly ball rate jumped this year to a career-high 52%. So he is selling out for power. I'm okay with it. Like I said, 
238 you can deal with if you get lucky and, and he can hit you to 260 that'd be great but as you mentioned he's only done that twice uh in his career a couple of 276 seasons and he can play and he can play all three positions and when you look at the free agent class for outfielders this offseason cespedes um yeah I'm, I'm just scanning list guys that you know alex gordon's 12 and a half million dollar player option would be picked up um gerardo para Oh, he tanked uh, Justin with, uh, Upton. Um, Parra tanked and with Baltimore. Austin Jackson. I mean, this is uh, Denard Spam, but we're talking about a guy that can play all three spots. It's really, it's kind of him. Yeah. I mean, um, we'll talk about one other guy who I think is 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 impressive as well uh, when we get into your predictions. Who's going to be a free agent? But otherwise, it it's not a it's not a flush market. Once you get past the Cespedes and Upton you are starting to look at a similar group of which Rasmus is in. Uh, Hayward's up there too, I would say. Hayward, Upton, and uh, who else did we say? Oh, Cespedes, yeah. So those are going to kind of be the three big tickets, and then you kind of jump into the uh, to the pool where you're looking at uh, Austin Jackson, where you're looking at uh, at Rasmus's and, and other types like that, and including the guy who I'm not going to name yet. We'll, we'll get into that guy next or uh, in, in a bit when we talk predictions. Next up on the list is another guy who might be making himself some money with some clutch hits in the in the playoffs, Daniel Murphy. This is a guy who just you know kind of does it every year. Nothing spectacular, just kind of gets it done. This year, he was a little bit tougher fantasy-wise because that speed had felt like something that you could kind of bank on at least double digits, 10, 23, and 13 stolen bases the last three years for, for yep. Daniel Murphy, just two this year. And again, Oof. injuries uh, kept him off the field. He only played 130 games. And the problem is when you deal with these guys who you know can sometimes get nicked, and he hasn't had a, a history of just getting hurt, 156, 161, and 143 the last three years. He plays, but – you can see that he would be somebody who would play through kind of, uh, you know, smaller injuries. And the one thing he would sacrifice is that speed. But he still hit 14 homers, 73 ribbies because that offense was way better. 281 average. You kind of know what you're getting. He can move around the diamond. He's a better real life player than fantasy, but he's not a bad fantasy player. Where do you stand on Daniel Murphy? Um, here's the kind of thing when you look at his overall numbers that kind of it's weird with him. You know, he, he definitely plays a ton. I mean, this year, the last couple of years, he didn't do it. But in 2009, 2012, 2013, you know, missed four or five games, which are just pretty much days off. Um, but even then, he's only driven in or scored more than 80 runs one time. And that was in 2013, scored 92 runs. Uh, and that was despite a, a, a 319 on base percentage, which is the second lowest uh, of his career kind of thing. But even, the, you know, this year, when you look at him, at least he hits for average. So from a fantasy perspective, you know, he hits for average, uh, you know, can drive in runs if you let him hit. He drove in 73 in 130 games this year. Uh, doesn't, 56 runs is really low. The 14 home runs was nice. So he's a two-category player. But I remember him going, um, I want to say he was a $20 player is what people were drafting him at. And that's not, you know, that's not going to cut it. And when you're when you're paying that amount of money uh, for him, and this year he finished in 12-team mixed leagues, he finished with an eight-dollar value, finished behind guys like he was drafted well before, like Neil Walker, that was Logan Forsythe, DJ LeMahieu, you know, those types of guys. He was um, drafted coming into the season. I would have put, I would have said that Murphy and Forsythe were some, you know, guys similar skill sets. And if you're going to ask me like, which one I think would repeat in 2016, I would lean towards Murphy. 
Okay. Because he's got that track record, whereas Forsythe kind of came out of nowhere this year. Yes, he got more playing time. But I think we talked about this a couple of weeks ago when you dig into his numbers, like all of a sudden he he had that one year where he finally figured out how to hit right handed pitching when he never really had before. Exactly. And the contact doesn't bear out like, oh, this is a big skill improvement. He just had a lot of, you know, some things go the other way, too. So that could fall apart for him. Uh, so I would bank. And again, selfishly, this is a guy that I would love to see end up in Tampa Bay uh, at, the, at second base for them. Um, but I don't see it happening. They would. Yeah. Love <laughs> <You> know, <him. laughs> That's a per- Murphy. Murphy and Rasmus were honestly my, my very two. If Stu Sternberg were willing to spend money, these are two guys I think would be a nice would be nice uh, fits uh, for them. I just don't think either are going to happen now. But how, again, how- looking at the position, I think, you know, if we get back to that, is he a top 10 guy? Yeah, I think he is. Um, but I'm not willing to really go much higher than that. I don't think Murphy could be a better fit for the Rays when you consider the second, third, first that he plays. He's he's dabbled in the outfield. They would probably exploit that even further in Tampa Bay. So that could be an interesting interesting piece for them. And you, and you mentioned that he only made eight bucks, and that really is the stolen bases because everything else was kind of where it was supposed to be. But when you drop from 13 to two on the stolen bases, there, there goes your value. He needs to kind of be in that eight to low double-digit range to earn that uh, that upper teens, low twenties that we're used to seeing. Even the run scored was really low. You look at I'm looking at all the second basemen ahead. Like Neil, I mentioned Neil Walker earned more money than him. You know, home runs and RBI they were very close. Stolen bases very close. Batting average Walker hit 269 versus 281 for Murphy, but Walker scored 13 more runs than him too. And that and there's you look at the difference. You know, two extra home runs, two extra stolen bases. Uh, 13 extra runs. That's huge. two more dollars of value uh, for him. And, you know, they were, they were drafted. Murphy was going ahead of Walker. Yep. And I, I understood that. Um, now they're, you know, they're pretty similar. Second base is interesting because it's not star studded necessarily Altuve Gordon, but it's deep. Exactly. Exactly what I was going to say. Man, it used to be shallow, but now you're looking at it saying, yeah, the, the only thing the I'm same. thinking of, the only thing I, I you know, when I'm looking at it, and this is why you see D Gordon's value. So it's just the speed. I mean, when you look at second base, it used to be a position where you go like, oh, I'm going to get stolen bases. How many second basemen do you think stole uh, at least 20 bags this year? Two. Four. Okay. And uh, one of them was Brandon Phillips. Which, uh, which you know, was crazy. Yeah, I forgot about him. His 20. Oh, it's not happening. Yeah. Or whatever. Yeah, that's that's insane. That, that, that was an insane season from him. You just get to a certain point at second base where they're all the same kind of guy, at least in terms of their upside. So you're not trying to necessarily reach if you don't get any of those those upper ones that we talked about if you don't you know try to get odor thinking he's going to break out or get rendon a little bit cheaper hoping he stays healthy then you just wait you don't get suckered well, into I, the kinsler kipness and and i like well, joe good example oh a good example last year oh i need to have colton long on my team this guy's gonna be i think we even <sighs> fell into that trap no a little bit. i was there DJ i was there LeMahieu, dj lemayhew doubled his value lemayhew was going at the very end of drafts. LeMahieu ended up with 23 steals, 85 runs, three, uh, hit 301. Wong, 11 home runs, 15 stolen bases, 71 runs, hit 262. And Wong, you know, was being drafted well out in front of LeMahieu. LeMahieu was an afterthought. Uh, and that's kind of, I would, you know, we could we could throw Odor into that same kind of thing yes. and say, oh, hey, you know, he was last this year. So I'm trying to think into going into 2016 like who's going to be oh my god this is the guy that i have to have yeah i don't really see the the height machine there isn't one anywhere because, at this position 
the younger guy. I mean, it, it might end up being Odor again because you know the the Rendon train has derailed because he didn't stay healthy. Altuve and Gordon are proven. We know what we're going to get for Dozier. Cano bounced back. He's solid again. He's going to kind of be going in the same spot. There's not anyone to get overly psyched on unless you try to fall for Kipnis again. Have fun with that. You know, Devon Travis maybe, but he didn't finish the season. So there's nobody that finish strong necessarily that you want to get hyped on even somebody who i love like a jonathan scope you're not taking him early he's your middle infielder you're not taking him as your starting second baseman so i agree with you it's a position that once you get past the first spot uh, the first handful of spots you can wait and end up being the last guy because you know what dj LeMahieu might not even go in the top 12 of second baseman in some leagues as high as he finished nobody's really psyched on him and they yeah he can probably uh batting average his way to another solid season next year, but nobody's falling over themselves to get DJ LeMayhew. Let's talk Marco Estrada because he's been a very interesting guy this year. And this was somebody that I'll give us some credit. We jumped on ages ago and ages a couple years ago when he, when he, when he first got going, this was somebody we talked up. Hey, ERA is a little bit high because the homers can be an issue, but the strikeouts are there. He doesn't walk guys. So you get a good whip and it was all working out well. Well, the year we kind of went hardest on him was last year, and that's when he he was the worst. The home runs just reached critical mass. He allowed an MLB high 29, despite only pitching 151 innings. So it was a really bad season for for Estrada. Well, then he gets traded for Adam Lind, and he goes to Toronto. Like Miller Park's bad enough, but now you're talking American. But I League. laughed at that. Oh yeah, you're talking Miller Park. Okay, that was awful. But now moving to Toronto and the AL East, no thank you. And he goes out and he has his best year. And that's why baseball is great because we really can't predict it. We have no idea what's going to happen. You get all the data, everything looks like it lines up, and then the opposite thing happens. So he has this excellent season despite uh, the home runs still being there, the strikeouts actually not being there, the walks being his worst. So everything goes the wrong way except he allowed a, a, an AL best 6.7 hits per nine. I believe Estrada is also a free agent this year. What are you looking at with him? Let's just say he goes to a neutral or better park. We won't have to pick the park, but we'll just say neutral or better. He doesn't end up in a homer haven. How are you valuing Estrada next year? I mean, he's pitching in a homer haven now, and it's working well for him. I mean, the thing is, but it with won't him again next the success, year. Yeah, I mean, with the with the success that he's had, he's given up. You know, he's given back some of his strikeout stuff. But his home run to fly ball rate is. You know, this is the first full season that it's been in single digits. The home run to fly ball ratio, uh, which is impressive uh, considering how. But he fly balls, he gives up. Uh, but the thing, and you watch him pitch, and I tweeted this last night. You know, like I was an like I was an alcoholic anonymous member. Hi, my name is Jason, and I enjoy watching Marco Estrada pitch <laughs> because it, with him, and what I got so pissed off at, uh, last night was there was a particular bat against Josh Hamilton. First pitch, changeup, seventy-seven, pulled the string. Hamilton was right out. It's almost like the sucker stopping in midair. Second one, changeup, same thing again. He bounces the third pit. He tripled up on the changeup, bounced it. So he's like, oh, screw it. I'm going to throw a fastball. And it's like, and, and Hamilton got his first postseason hit in 32 at-bats. And it was over for his last 32 when he get the hit. I'm like, why did you throw him a fastball? You should have quadrupled up on that changeup. But with him, and I mean, he hasn't added velocity, but what I love about him is he, he just uses all the tenets of effective velocity. And to his credit, though, the pitch was a fastball up and in. And if you're an effective velocity, um, That's you the know, place. efficient 
aficionado, that's where you want to put that pitch. But he saw fastball. He's like, oh, I'm going to go ahead and rip because it hit, hit the changeup swings. He was so out in front of. So if he could cheat on that fastball, he could still hit and he, and he got the single off it. But that's what he's done. And he's, you know, he's got the three pitches. He can throw the curveball. And, and, you know, I, I like him a lot. I think if you look at him as a, as a third fantasy starter uh, in an, let's say, let's say he stays in the AL. Third okay. fantasy starter, I think he's a, a safe risk. I think he's still a back-end guy when you look at the overall uh, numbers in a, in a standard 12-team mixed league with him because just the, the strikeouts aren't there. This is now the fourth consecutive season. The strikeouts per nine has declined, and that appears to be by design with him. Uh, yes. And he's also stranded nearly 80% of his runners on base this year. So when you look Batman. at the 313 ERA and the 440 FIP or the 493 XFIP, you know, that's where he's he's still in-game material in the mixed league. But I, I, I still think, you know, if you put him in a place – you know, Seattle never going to sign him, uh, you know, but someplace like that where he's got a little more forgiveness uh, for some of these things, I, I think it would be a, a nice fit for him. But I think some of the, the, the recent down the stretch pitching may overvalue him, uh, but there's still there's still a lot to like about him, but he definitely comes with his risk. Oakland could sign Estrada and that could be great. Obviously that would. So, I mean, the other thing, the other thing risk wise, he has never had he's he's never had a season of being a, a full time starting pitcher. I mean, 181 innings this year is his career high, and that was coming off the 150 that was his career high the season before. Yeah, he's not. Yeah, that's a that's a big and that's a big spike. And by the time you know if Toronto's able to stave off elimination, he could be 50 plus innings above his previous career high, going into you know going into it. And it's not like he's got this track record of of staying. You know, he's, he's had injuries. In the, he's had some injury issues in the past. Um, and he does not have a full-time a season where he's been a full-time starter, and he turns 33 at the uh, near the All-Star break next year. So, so yeah, he's a bar. He as as a baseball player, as pitcher, somebody's going to get a decent bargain out of him because you're going to see a lot of things go, pointing the wrong direction for him. Mm-hmm. But I, I, there's still, I, I'm really curious to see where he lands because that's going to really uh, determine if I'm willing to spend. You know, five. I mean, he earned 12 in a mixed league this year in a career year. So, you know, if I'm willing to spend five dollars on him in a mixed league, it really depends on where he's going to land. It, it, totally agree there. That's why I said let's try to focus on neutral and go from there. If he did wind up somewhere like in Oakland, they would. They are the team that would sign him on a, like a cheap deal, realizing that they he can earned maximize Cole this year. That's he that's earned crazy. Cole Hamels. I mean, this he year. had a great season. The 216 BABIP. I mean, he was stranding runners. He was inducing poor contact. He he eschewed to strike out for these for this contact because I think he understands that uh, his stuff in the zone for Estrada can get beaten because he throws you know upper 80s really and he in the past has shown more control than command I think this year the command was was a lot better than we've been seeing in previous seasons from from Estrada so yeah I'll be I'll be, I'll be keeping an eye on him uh, this offseason to really see where he goes. A guy who recently signed uh, this past offseason with the new team was Kendris Morales. Two-year deal with the uh, with the Royals. It was panned because because why not? Um, and here's the thing: they took a couple gambles, and one paid off, one didn't. Because anytime you hear if, if somebody was anti the Morales move, their excuse instead of just saying, "Hey, I got that one wrong," which is fine to say, well, they also signed Rios. Okay, and. One worked, one didn't. Both were low investment gambles, hoping to kind of get 
the better end uh, of these guys. Obviously, Rios was was an even bigger gamble coming off of his uh, disastrous. Actually, I don't know. They're were, they were both pretty disastrous in 2014. So just a couple gambles. One worked, one didn't. It. Morales goes out, has a tremendous season, 106 ribbies, 290 average, 22 bombs, 81 runs. I mean, he, he had a great season. He's going to be 33 next year. Um He's already, you know, making moves in the postseason here. A couple big homers. He's having a great year overall, top to bottom, regular and postseason. But how do you value Kendris Morales next year? Because we're still talking about first base, where, you know, we, we talk about second base depth. First base is super deep. That I don't even have Morales in the top twelve, and I don't feel one percent bad about that. I mean, the thing is, this year it was he made the most of an opportunity. He hit mostly fifth in the lineup. And the guys in front of him had a 362, a 356, and a 365 on base average. That so when you look at the 106 runs, I mean, that's he. I don't know how many of these opportunities he fell into, but when you have guys like that, even with Alcides Escobar mostly hitting leadoff and with a 295 OBP on the season. I mean, that's a leadoff batter, but that's not his problem. I mean, if, if that guy gets out, but the next two, two of the next three guys get on. He's up with two men on and two out, uh, and he's going to fall into uh, run opportunities like that. I don't know, you know, what happens to him next. Was it a one-year deal for him? No. Was it a multi-year deal? No, they went two, so he's going to still be there. Okay. Now, so I guess the question— And so that, the guys in front of him. Yes. The question is, do you believe in those guys then? Because we're talking about Eric Hosmer at 363 and a nice solid follow-up year to last year, 377 for Gordon, 348 for Moustakis, 361 for in there. Uh, but well, he's probably gone. So I'm focusing on Mustakis, Gordon, Kane, back. and Hosmer. And if they bring Zobers back, holy smokes, that that'd be great because he had a 364 with them. So there's a lot of good OBPs still in front of him. And and like you said, he's not going anywhere. So even if he, even if Morales himself fell back a little bit, there'd still be a ample RBI opportunities. But like I said, even with this amazing year, he was only 11th at the position. So you don't have to go crazy for him. But is he somebody you might be looking at as a as a quality corner infielder considering? I doubt I doubt his price really jumps up based on this season. It you, really can't. I mean, when you look at who's ahead of him, Gold, I'm looking at the, the list right now. Goldschmidt, Davis, Encarnacion, Votto, Rizzo, Abreu, Hosmer, Fielder, Posey, but you're not drafting him as first baseman, Frazier, uh, Pujols, then there's Morales, but behind him is Adrian Gonzalez, Miguel Cabrera, who are likely both to exceed him, Adam Lind, who I think if he lands in the right spot as a free agent here, could exceed him. Um, Brandon Belt. Belt, if you ever put a full season together, <laughs> you know, those, that's kind of who's on his. That's kind of who's on his tail. What about somebody like um, a, a Mitch Moreland, um, who is like, you know, kind of had a younger the, the lefties, the, the lefty. I mean, he, he still has that's platoon true. splits, whereas yeah. Morales doesn't. That's always going to kind of uh, hold his. I mean, I like Moreland. No, but there's only so call, much though. he can. There's only so much you can do there. There's only so much volume he can have. You're right. Same Ed, thing whereas with Lucas Duda. Morales Same is kind an of thing guy. No, that, right. that, so that's I don't know. Call. I don't know if he I don't think he can go up. I think he can drop a couple of spots. Like, I'm not ready to say he's in my top 10 at first base next year. Um, he could make my top 15, but I don't see growth. Agreed. Totally agreed. I mean, because we're talking about somebody's going to be 33 next year, but keep an eye on keep an eye on him. Don't think he's going to cost much. The fantasy community is ageist as, as as a group, and so somebody like a Morales will slide even on the heels of a good season. All right, uh, before we get into your NL and AL predictions, 
Let's talk a little bit generally about the playoffs. Again, I didn't get to see much. I was at ACL this weekend, so I'm going to kind of let you go. I'm sure you got some comments on on a few announcers, but, uh, you know, bouncing around from station to station, from FS1 to MLB Network to TBS, you've been seeing it all this weekend. What are some of your takeaways from the – from just generally speaking on the playoffs? I know you want to hit on one announcer in particular, and I'll go – bang my head into a wall while you discuss Harold Reynolds. Yeah, Harold Reynolds is dumber than we thought. Um, he really is. And I, it just amazes me that he continues to get called call these games. He was basically saying, uh, saying he was amazed that Canadians are really good at catching foul balls last night. Uh, oh, just, well, I've run out of I've run out of my things to say about there's been so many things you're like, what? Who? Shut up. You don't know what you're talking about. It, it's really driving me crazy with him um, in that. But I mean, overall in the series, you know, the I, the Astros honestly could have swept the Royals out. I thought that A.J. Hinch handled the, the situation in game two poorly when, uh, you know, they brought in Josh Fields with the bases loaded after McHugh pitched game two, right? No. Yes, um, McHugh no, pitched Kazmier. game one. Casmir game two. Casmir did. So they pull Casmir out, and then they've got – then it's bases loaded with Josh Fields and uh, Sal – I think Sal Perez. Yeah, Sal Perez. And I'm thinking, okay, bases loaded, one out, Sal Perez up with the plate. I know you like using – Pat Neshek late in the game, but you're begging for a ground ball opportunity here, begging for one. And Fields can get him if if he's got his if you know, people uh, swing at the curveball. Sure. But Fields doesn't have good command, and that's the thing. I mean, he threw four non-competitive pitches, the fourth of which went to the backstop, and then he got then he got the outs after that. But he comes in. I mean, it's his first playoff game ever, and he's completely amped. Is like nothing close. So to me, it's like, okay, bring a Nishik in there and, you know, Nishik can get the strikes. And, you know, if you give up a hit, that's fine, but you can defend the process. The process, Nishik gets a ton of ground balls. If actually wait. Perez puts it on the ground, this is an easy double play. Nishik is, is a fly baller this year, 32%. But could they have brought in Qualls? Qualls no, Qualls is not on the roster. Oh, okay, because he gets ground balls at a 60% clip. I'm just looking through their bullpen. Will Harris at 51%. I know they don't want to go yeah, to the – Yeah, they're saving Harris. That's the, this was the sixth inning, though. So yeah. I, I still would have – even if even with Nishek, the contact would still would have been, you know, maybe a lazy fly ball kind of it's thing. It's generally but I, I, weak fields contact, when they brought it exactly. In. Yeah, for me, it would have been like, you know, I bases loaded. You need somebody that could throw strikes, and that that's not field. So other than that, you know, other than that, I think it's been a, a good thing. Chris Carter really heated up yesterday. He had a, 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 a single that he tried to stretch into a double. Gordon threw him out. That was dumb. Should then he, he got a legitimate double. Then he had a le- anything. I mean, off the bat, it looked like a double, but he didn't take okay. it. He didn't run out. He didn't start running. And then that's why he got nailed. I mean, Alex Gordon, too. And this is where I thought the broadcast was good. They were like, maybe I was listening. I was listening to the radio at this point. And that's one of the things they said. They're like, hey, you know, Alex Gordon only had four outfield assists this year, which is his lowest of his career. And they were like, then again, nobody really likes running on Alex Gordon. Nope. So that's exactly. why he only had four. That's why he had four assists. So that was, you know, that was a good note uh, to hear. And I think that's, you know, credit to uh, Rob Ford and uh, Steve Sparks on the Astros yes. radio broadcast for that. Uh, but, you know, Carter had hit a home run yesterday, a bomb, and it wasn't even to the sweet spot of the bat. It was up near the label. Other guys would have broken their bat, and he hit it out of the yard. It was a legit homer, too. Uh, so that was impressive. But Keuchel, you know, Keuchel shoved it again yesterday. 
gave up the one run on on a home run to uh, Lorenzo Cain on the tenth pitch of the at bat. And to Cain, it was great. It was a good at bat. I mean, Cain was spoiling pitch after pitch after pitch after pitch, and then he just hung one a little bit, and Cain crushed it. And, and that's Cain's a badass uh, in that he regard. Really but that is. series has been like that. The Cubs Cardinals. I mean, game one, Lackey was. His, vintage playoff form uh, and Cubs could do nothing <laughs> for, for that regard. Second one, they just, the Cardinals defense fell apart. Madden ran his, his first to third bunt play and Garcia threw it away. And the whole inning kind of got away from him. We already talked about Dodgers and Mets series. Is, and is then, Toronto um, going to come back? Well, I mean, the whole thing with uh, Dickey going today, they've got Napoli, uh, which puts Napoli on the bench. Uh, Beltre still not a hundred percent. You would figure Dickey could slow down the Texas running game a little bit because he's really got that good move to first base um, and, and holding rudders on. He's really good at that. And they said the price is available out of the bullpen, uh, which is I, you know, kind of strange uh, to me. He was available last. They had a Mormon up last night and you can say it's a throw day or whatever, but I want price in game five. I'd rather have Stroman um, back up, backing up, um, backing up Dickey. I would like to see that. I want to see all of them go five games. Uh, I do too. Just but I would like to see the Astros. I would like I mean, take it back. I want to see the Astros winning at home because uh, they deserve it to do that. Uh, because especially because a lot of people had the Royals winning the series in four games. Um, but that that's really been it. I mean, it really hasn't been anything. I think the other thing with the Blue Jays is just how you know, last night they, they got the home run from Tulowitzki. But for the most part, their thunder has been kept rather quiet. It really and, has. And the Texas bullpen. The Texas bullpen has done good. And last night, Chichi Gonzalez did not do it. I mean, he's the one to give it the home to um, to Lewitsky. Um, and I noticed during the game, he does something going to his non-throwing wrist quite a bit. Oh. He did it five times during the at-bat against Encarnacion that he ended up walking him. But he would take oh. a baseball, take his glove off, kind of go to the top and bottom of his wrist, of his left. And he did it five times during that at-bat. I'll keep an and eye I'm in like, case he goes today. Yeah. A lot of these were breaking balls that he was throwing after this because he, I mean, he does mostly that. But I saw a lot of a lot of that. And I couldn't I you know, was watching on TV, but I went over to my laptop, fired it up and tried to look for the old bullfrog lean. And I couldn't see anything. But he's going. Why else would a guy be going to that? He, and he would be coy about it, too. It's like catch the fly ball, turn around and just kind of take the glove, rub the baseball off and just kind of slide his hand down his forearm. You can you can see multiple different things he was doing. Uh, as it was happening, and he even did it after throwing a pickoff move. He tried to pick I forget whoever was on first base. It was Bautista, but he threw over pickoff, got the ball back, took his glove, and I'm like, really? Wow. You're doing? I didn't see anybody else talking about it, but I saw it at least five times during that one at bat, and I just gave up counting after that because I'm like, I got to catch up and watch the rest of this game. But I just kept seeing him do that and do that. So I think somebody told me on Twitter that he did it during the Tulo at bat, and then Tulo hit the home run anyhow. But Tulo went yard. Yeah, I mean, here's the thing. Uh, whatever he might be doing, if, if, if Chichi Gonzalez is doing something, it ain't working that well because he got knocked around in the, uh, in the regular season and, of course, gave up the home run in the, in the playoffs here. So uh, we'll see, though. We'll, we'll, we'll keep an eye on that for sure. Today's, today's a four-gamer, and it should be great. So the one thing uh, – I'm, I don't really ha- – I, I picked Toronto, you know, and I don't – I'm not – heavily aligned with the Texas teams, but I'm totally cool with them succeeding. Um, that said, I'm still glad that Toronto won yesterday to give us to give us the four pack of games again because I missed the first go round of the four gamers. Um, so yeah, don't have a lot to add in terms of all the uh, the announcing. Haven't been able to watch nearly as much as I would like because I was at the concert festival all weekend, but I will remedy that with the rest of the playoffs. Don't you worry. Uh, Jason, we're going to finish up talking a little bit about your predictions. 
because you made your bold predictions. Like you said, you did pretty well. I'd, I'd say you did pretty well. What would you say? You went 28 for 60? That's I felt like good. I was right, right. I did better in the NL. That's pretty I good. I was 10 for 30 on the um, 10 for 30 on the AL side, and I think the NL was closer, like 14 for 30. Okay. The problem is I didn't play in any NL only leagues, so you didn't get to benefit from it. Well, I'm, I'm going to pick out a few of my favorites. You pick out a few of yours, and then we'll get out of here. Uh, one that really interested me, and again, we go back to your mindset when you made these. You made these back on April 1st, and so you know, one one thing I said in in my bold prediction piece is, you know. Wrong bold predictions look hilariously stupid in October. Like they, it's hard to even get yourself in a frame of mind to where you could have made that prediction because we're six months removed from it. But one one that I really liked involved the best, Mike Trout. You came out firing. He said Mike Trout will have four four times as many homers as stolen bases, and you almost nailed that one with his 41 homers and 11 stolen bases. And the real point that you were driving home was that Trout isn't running anymore, and it doesn't mean he's not still an amazing fantasy player and one of the uh, you know absolute best players, definite first-round guy and definite number one potential. I'm totally fine with anyone taking him there. But these last couple – these last two years, he hasn't offered the the over-the-top complete game because 16 and 11 stolen bases, that's not enough to be the first-place guy. So that was kind of your prediction um, there. And like you said, you just missed it. Where do you see him next year now? Still going to only be 24. The power's on the rise, making up for it again. You know, seventh best player according to ESPN's player rater. Nobody's worried about him. But we see this with guys when they first come up, superstars. They do everything, and as they kind of develop into those middle-of-the-order studs, the speed goes. Do you think it's going to continue going, or can it spike back up? Where do you stand with Mike Trout and his speed? 50 home runs, 10 stolen bases. I'm going for the five for one call next year. I'll, I'll take it. By the way, if that happens, <laughs> Seriously, it's not, I'm okay it's not with that it. outrageous. No, it's, it's, not. it's not that outrageous. No, it's not. It's viable. It really is. He's not running. He's not running anymore because you know he doesn't have as many opportunities. But it honestly, and I wouldn't. It wouldn't surprise me if he hits. Maybe he doesn't hit leadoff. Maybe they bring him down the lineup a little bit. But it's not outrageous. If I say 50-10, it's it's plausible. Completely. You're adding nine more homers. You're, you're you're losing a stolen base. It that's that is completely viable. In fact, he didn't bat lead off at all this year. It was all second and third. 82 games in second, 77 games batting third. So, just not quite the running spot that it used to be. Uh, 12 of those stolen base attempts came when he was batting second, and he was only seven for 12. So, uh, you know, just not baseball. Not linear. It's not like it's not like you know 49, 33, 16, and 11. So it's not we can't just say, oops, it's going to be a trend. Say, now thing. it's going to be seven because it as Brandon Phillips showed us all. Hey, I can pull stolen bases well, out of my ass. That's why these are tough. Unless you're talking about somebody, uh, you know, one of the rabbits who they're they're worth it, like That's just what they do, like a D Gordon, like an Altuve. Unless you're talking about one of those, they're really tough to predict because would you also on the other end of that 50 10, would you be surprised if somebody predicted 40 30 for him and then he went out and did it? No, we wouldn't. We wouldn't no. be surprised at all. We're not going to bet on that. I'm going to. I think your 50-10 is 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 closer to something I'd be interested in, uh, in terms of of a projection. Maybe maybe 42-13 or something. I would say. I, I think it will jump back up a little bit next year just to throw everybody off. But uh, I'd be surprised a little bit if we if we had another big 30 stolen base season. So I really liked that one, and I liked your Mookie Betts one. And I know Mookie Betts got a lot of uh, hype last year, so. The boldness of it might uh, 
might not be might not pass muster for some. But this was still a guy who, you know, could have Brett Lurie'd us. He could have just had that big, um, you know, 213 great plate appearances last year that we get hyped on and and then and then fumble it. Now nah, he had a great season: 18 homers, 21 stolen bases, 291 average, 92 runs on that awful team. So Betts was great. Your prediction: Mookie Betts out earns Dustin Pedroia. Now Pedroia's injury made that a a, a walk in the park for you, but. I think you could go back to the well with it again this year and say even if they both stay healthy, you go, you're going with the same thing. Mookie Betts has a ride, and I think that was your bigger point more than Dustin Pedroia sucks because he didn't suck. He just played only 93 games. That was the big issue with Pedroia. Yeah, that's that's exactly what it comes down to. And again, we, we knew the talent was going to be there, and we've talked about it. And we've used the anecdote a couple of times on on this podcast. This is why you go to the Arizona Fall League, when you know when Scout tells you, "Hey, this is the best player that's out here. Go get him in you your listen. fantasy league because he knows you play fantasy." You listen, um, and the, you know now the the buying opportunity is gone for that. You know, forget it. Uh, between the Red Sox hype machine thing and his actual production, there's there's you know the value opportunity is gone with. No, him. you're paying for it. Uh, but this this is again my pitch for if you have not signed up to come out to the Arizona Fall League, you need to. They have not shut the window on the on the first pitch forums with Baseball HQ um, that the two of us will be at here in three weeks. Giggity, uh, you know it can't get here. It can't get here soon enough. I'm gonna see four games this year. I get there Thursday morning at 10:30. And I'm going to head after uh, after Bucky, after he gets in, going straight over, uh, you know, go drop off at the hotel, go to the air, go uh, go to one game, come back, go to the night game, go to the Friday game, go to the Saturday Rising Stars. Yeah, all good. That's a weekend right there. I might have to get in on Thursday as well. Uh, yeah, Betts was one that we basically kind of discovered out in Fall League. Another one didn't get the same hype from a scout that, that Betts did, but that I discovered kind of out there was Brian Dozier. I didn't know anything about him. And then you watch him. He took all these great at-bats and, you know, I know it's kind of that that generic term or whatever. That's a scrappy guy, but you you could see quality at bats from the guy. And what does he do now? He delivers a lot of quality at bats. Doesn't have a huge average, but the power. Um, so yeah, that's the best thing about Fall League. We all want to go out there and see the Trouts and the Posies and the Harpers, which we have, and the Will Myers at the peak of his uh, prospectum. But the really fun part is finding those guys who aren't quite getting the the top five ranks of prospect rankings, but end up becoming the stud players. I've got a couple more, and then I'll let you get to some of your favorites. Uh, I got two from the NL as well. I really like the Ken Giles one. Obviously, uh, it didn't pan out. That was somebody we were really keen on coming into the year. We figure they got to trade Papelbon soon. We'll have Ken Giles. We'll get, you know, not a full season, but we'll get pretty close. Well, they didn't, they didn't trade Giles till late. And so they, it busted really for a mixed league. If you held Giles in an NL all year, that's fine. Or, or a deep mixer, but in a shallow kind of mix, it was tough to hold him all year as somebody you were expecting to get big time saves out of. He still wound up with 15. He was elite. My real question with him is where are you valuing him amongst closers for next year? Well, even though he's going to be playing for a, a, a crappy team again, because you don't see Philly getting that much better, somebody still has to save those games. And I think the you know the point of us, you know, we took him in what the eighth round and in, in labor, something like that. I don't. I thought I thought it was twelve. I felt I felt eight early, to twelve, somewhere in that teams. range. All right, somewhere in that range. But you know, the point of us, you know, we said buy him. So if you li- if you listen to us, you took him in the twelfth round. Uh, and I'm thinking a lot. 
the 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 leagues that I'm in that have you know your your pick. Yeah, sometimes I see that you can keep the pick and then you've got to you've got to give up the the one before. So let's say now you have Ken Giles as an 11th round keeper. You have a full time a guy who's going to be a full time closer as an 11th round keeper. Where if he was if he was in um, if he was in your if in in your league, there's a good chance with that skill set, Ken Giles is going in the top six rounds. Going oh, yeah. into a draft, if you look at a guy with that strikeout rate, you, you can look at and say 30 saves, possibly 100 strikeouts and good ratios. That's going to go in the top, you know, the way these the way these NFBC drafts, uh, you know, that kind of format or anything. That's going to be a top 75 pick. And if you have him in the 12th rounder, if you've got to give up your 11th round keeper, you have him as a 120th player. So it's a plus 50. You know, it works out for you. If you have him in a keeper league and you held on to him this year, you've got him at a great price coming into uh, 2016. Yeah, that, that's team because you were even if you were a little aggressive with them, you still got them at a great price. That's a great silver lining um, that you, you now have because uh, I think he's one of the stud closers next year. Even even with the team not being great, I love those guys who are doing everything. They're giving you the great ratios. They're giving you the obscene strikeout totals. And, you know, we do know that better teams yield better. Uh, better save totals. We know that for sure. So we would prefer guys on better teams, but it doesn't mean you can't log saves on a crummier team. And, you know, everyone's Philly had a good second. They had a good second half. They did six wins, 15 saves as a, as the, you know, the eighth inning guy for two thirds of the season. So even when he'd be sloppy and double that, (laughs) you're looking at, he could the third, plausible he had 87 strikeouts in the role he could push 100 with a little more usage uh, maybe he doesn't i mean not like he was being uh, any kind of restrictor played on him uh, if you will but uh, yeah i can safely say 25 saves 85 strikeouts five wins and solid ratios yeah that's was, gonna that's gonna pay well i was gonna say even 30 saves great ratios great strikeouts i'll take it uh then the last one that i really liked before we get into a couple that you liked was the uh, the the impending free agent that I they alluded to earlier, Dexter Fowler, somebody who I think is going to get some some nice attention in the free agent market because the drop off after the the kind of surefire studs, he's he's played himself into a, a nice contract I think this year. Numbers aren't going to jump off the page at you because the 757 OPS is actually um, a five-year low for him. But I think when teams dig into everything else that he does, he can get on base regularly, has power and speed, and he has great defense. I think that that's going to earn him a pretty healthy contract. Where do you stand with Dexter Fowler? Somebody I believe we've we've been pretty favorable toward for several years now we expected a bigger yep. breakout in colorado we finally got it at age 29 with a, a near 2020 season he was just three homers short of that only 46 rabies batting leadoff but 102 runs i like dexter fowler i'm not going to change my tune necessarily next year unless the situation is just awful do you have an ideal situation for him that you would love to see him go to or do you you just not really worried about it um ideally kansas city Ooh, wow, you're right. Ideally, put him in that leadoff spot that Escobar's had to deal with, and you put him, you know, you have Fowler, because right now, what it's Rios that's been out there. Would it be Fowler, so you've got, Kane? Got Kane? Well, you got Kane, Gordon, and Fowler. Make one of them play right field, even if it's Fowler playing right field. But you put him out there, and you put him at the top of that lineup, everything you've, everything there is repeatable. With, with, with Dead Yost running, you know, Madden and Ned Yost are two of a kind as far as stolen bases and, and liking the runs, so that puts it there. You know, the, the, the power number, the home runs may come down a little bit, but the runs scored should be much better. Uh, could be 
102. Look at the guys behind him there. And look at the guys in Kansas City could even jump. The RBIs would absolutely jump. He only drove in 46 runs because of the crap at the bottom of the Cubs lineup, uh, including pitchers. Uh, you know, that, that'll go up possibly 20, you know, in that regard. So, yeah, I would be if, – if they could go out and get him – my goodness. You're always good at coming up with the dream spots for, for players. That's why I asked you. And I like that one a lot. Yeah, you missed on Rios. It was a gamble. You hit on Morales. Take that savings. Put it into somebody like a Fowler who you're obviously going to have to pay more for, but you're getting a, a, a more firm guarantee of the expected returns, even at 30 years old for him. All right, why don't you give us a couple of your favorites? But You can brag a little bit. What are some of those predictions that you put out there in April that really came through that you liked? I mean, underselling AJ Pollock, saying he was a $20 NL player waiting to happen. <laughs> you weren't but kidding. But I did say, I did say, buy all shares of him. And that's you the can. thing. And that's the so thing. At least you only I did. said 20 bucks, but you said, get, and that's the whole point of these, is to kind of put focus on certain guys uh, to, to give you an idea of, okay, I think this guy can bust through. And you said that by all shares, you can, he gets on base, he steals, he makes good contact. He has some pop. This is a $20 guy waiting to happen. You probably thought he could be the next type of fowler. And he obviously completely exceeded that and wound up as the, hang on, I've got it third or second, second best hitter in all baseball by ESPN's player Raider. And it wasn't behind Goldschmidt. It was behind D Gordon Goldschmidt and Harper were third and fourth. So you might not agree with ESPN's player Raider because it, it, it rates stolen bases pretty heavily, but whatever you want to do, whatever, you know, rating system you have, you don't get Pollock much later than five based on his numbers this year. Crap. Perez two run home run, uh, two nothing Royal. I yeah. just turned my back oh, well. for one second. He went yard. But, uh, yeah. I mean, the, the, the Fowler prediction was one of them that I was like, because I did buy a, the mixed leagues. I bought shares of him everywhere. So that was uh, that was fun. The, the Freddie Freeman one, because when, you, when you're saying out there, like, hey, a guy that's going to hit third or fourth in that lineup is not even going to drive in 80 runs. And we were beating on that early. We are like, who Big the time. hell is he? He's gonna, we said he was going to hit, what, 30, uh, 25 home runs in five and 35 runs even, and we were really making jokes about it but well even ahead. in the face of the april when they got off to a decent start we continued right. to say relax because that offense was they weren't i wouldn't say good but they were doing some things they were scoring some runs i know they crushed latos you know they were winning some games here and there in early april well maybe that's not going to be so bad for freeman obviously his season took a turn when he got hurt as well but even if he plays the full year I mean, the prediction would have been right. perfectly spot on that he was going to lead with kind of a sad number. And a couple of the, I mean, the other one, like the Jason Grilly leading the team in saves, this article was posted 24 hours before Chris Kimball actually got traded. So it was like, I say this and then boom, it happens. And then Grilly was having a great year Amazing. until he blew out his Achilles tendon. So I was like, damn it, that, that really worked out well. Um, you know, the, the Brett Gardner call, we've talked about that one. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Kevin the Kevin Kiermeyer earning more than Desmond Jennings, and he was being drafted much. much. You know, that one went as well as Drew Hutchinson winning the Cy Young uh, went against me. Uh, you know, uh, but Salazar, I said Salazar would finish in the top three of uh, Indian staff production he started the year in the minor leagues and i said this and it worked out exactly and you know another one that could have really gone gone amazingly for you and it went well because uh the time that he played it was kind of looking right but that travis darno devin mazarocco one you said travis darno will just be this year's devin mazarocco remember folks remember yeah you haven't heard much from mazarocco in a while but he was amazing last year well darno probably would have would have done i mean i shouldn't say probably because we don't know but 
the 67 games he played suggests that that could have been a really good prediction for you because he was one homer shy and he matched the RBI total from 2014 despite playing about half as much playing time. That's the kind of season Darno was having. The pop really came through this year, and the times that he was playing, he was excellent, but two different injuries kept him out for a while. So um, I, I liked that one. That one was a little sneaky one. I think with only 67 games, he's not going to be somebody that's high on the radar. You can probably go back to the well with that one again and keep that same thing in mind, that he could be the, a Devin Mezzarocco kind of breakout for Travis Darno. So I like that one. All right, uh, yeah. let's see. Do you have any others that you that you're really keen on? I mean, again, you, you did well on a, on a on a ton of these. You were close on Harvey. You thought he'd actually go fewer than a buck sixty, um, and not top his 2013 strikeout rate. Well, he did go over 160 innings, but he did not top the 191 strikeouts from 2013. What do you see from him next year? Is, is it no no holds barred next year? And he can just yeah. go. Okay. Yeah, I think it's more holds barred. Maybe if he stops smoking over the half season, maybe that'll help too. Wait, he smokes? Um, yes, he does. They had shots of it and during the celebration in Marlboro too. I, I think I would lose my mind uh, on all the play- – because I'm sure there's tons that smoke. And it would just – you know, it, it, it's a shock. I, I, I know back in the day they probably smoked like in the dugout. Uh, shots of Keith Hernandez doing it. I know, yeah, he, he loves he loves smoking. Shout out to Jim Leland, of course, too. You know, I, I, uh, one of my favorite teams employed the most prominent MLB smoker going. What what did you just say, Lance McCullers? What is that word that starts with an F and makes your mouth open way wide? I don't know what that is. He's pretty angry right now about that two-run homer still. Uh, anyway, oh, did you see I, that that animation that Sullivan posted? <laughs> no, what happened? Oh, he he throws the pitch, and you know, it, it, the fastball was called. Where does he have the fastball? He had, he's calling for – he actually, you know, in Castro's defense, the, the pitch was called up. It was fastball up, but is out a little bit. And Castro went uh, – um, uh, Perez went the other way. And per, and McCullers throws the pitch, spins with his leg, oh, and looks straight up in the sky going, oh! I love it. <laughs> uh, yeah, and, and so he finishes getting Gordon out and still exclaims another F-bomb because he's mad about uh, three at-bats ago. Hopefully he gets over. That's a, that's the thing you worry about with a young guy is that they make the mistake and then they let it carry over. So if he gets out I mean, of the, the pitch, sitting, wasn't it wasn't down. a terrible pitch? It, it isn't. The only thing it was it just went, it missed. You know oh. height. He had it missed. Well, it was set up. It's just he was calling for it. He wanted it up and in a little bit. He got it out towards the outside. It cut away a little bit. Because I'm looking at this pitch saying he didn't miss his target by that much. No. A lot of the times when I see home runs, I always look where did the catcher set up? Where did it end up? But, you know, there's not a lot of reach. That was just the batter saying, you know what? I know where you, I know what you're going to throw. And if you put it where I'm looking for it, I'm going to hit the crap out of it. And that's exactly what he did. Let's finish with this guy, the guy who hit the home run, because I'm I'm mixed on him. And I think I might end up eventually being wrong because I think there could be more in the tank. Uh, he's going the wrong way. Sal Perez is going the wrong way in OPS plus. If you just look at the straight OPS plus, it goes down every single year. We don't use that for for fantasy only, though. That only tells us a little bit. So I look deeper. I don't just judge on that and say, oh, this guy sucks. But, uh, you know, kind of in that 70 RBI range, but the power continues to escalate. Do you think he could be a 30 homer type of guy, Sal Perez? Um, yeah, I mean, I'm kind of, I've always been like, I don't get the hype with the, with the that's guy. Right. I mean, me too, me too. And that's so I'm, I was, I wasn't sure if you did, cause I was going to say, go ahead and talk me into it. But 
No, I've never I, really, because I, I see a guy that doesn't walk too much. Yes, he's got all. the power, but he's really slow. I mean, the the, the 260 average, uh, you know, when he does hit the ball, he can hit it hard, but he just doesn't take enough walks. I don't know. I mean, 260, 21 homers, 70 runs driven in, 52 runs. I mean, that's that's all repeatable, but is can he get better? It would only be in, in the home runs, but how much of that, because he plays so damn much. I mean, 142 games. Um, at catcher, when you look at guys that played more than him, Derek Norris, but he, you know, Derek Norris had some first base time. Gaddis, who had D, a lot of DH time. Posey, who splits the time. Well, there Gattis are no other full time catchers like that. Uh, right. Well, yeah, I mean, no. he just, I'm looking at eligibility, but, uh, you know, that that's when you look at it, you're just like, okay. Uh, you know, I'm trying to think of another catcher that even, you know, Molina, and you, we've seen him, that's age wearing down, but uh, for a catcher to get 531 plate appearances and do it all at catcher, that's, uh, you know, maybe a that's handful of games didn't catch, but eventually that's got to wear on you. It does. It seems to every year, Jason. That's what, that's why I do. Uh, have that same opinion of like I don't get the hype because he seems like somebody you basically have to start trading in June or July or else you're just going to get the awful finale of his season um you know it doesn't show a stark first half second half drop for his career just 30 points maybe 30 points is bigger than I'm giving it credit for but I don't know I just worry about Perez because of the way they wear him down uh, the volume of 30 home runs might be tough unless they keep running them out. I mean, you mentioned the 553 plate appearances this year. It was 606 last year plus a World Series run. So I do worry about that with Perez. But uh, I know there's a lot of hype on him. The power keeps in- jumping up, but that 280 OBP makes me want to vomit so bad. So I don't know. Ooh, I, pro- I probably still won't jump on him. Or we J- had Grant Land. Four people left to go join Simmons. Really? Yeah. By the way, four Grantland editors have resigned from ESPN to work for Bill Simmons. Wow. Wow. Sean Fennessy, Juliet Littman, Mallory Rubin, and Chris Ryan. Oh, those are, that's inch. Those are big pieces. Those are pretty big pieces yeah. for, for them. That's yeah. Wow. That's really interesting. kind of reminds me of uh, maybe they said Zitzi flies as they were walking out of the office. <laughs> <laughs> I've been rewatching Entourage show. <laughs> Dude. I'm not even going to lie. I watched the show like all the time. I still haven't seen the movie. Oh, Home Run. Who was that? Who is that? Oh, Gomez. I'm not watching right now. Oh, Carlos Gomez. Gomez, Home Run. Okay, two to one. Sweet. Anyway, we got to get out of here. This is where this is where play play Twitter feed uh, Twitter uh, feeds actually come in useful. I just looked I know. like, oh, hey, it's Gomez. <laughs> for, for once, for once, the playoffs is like the only thing that I can accept because sometimes I am away. But the regular season play-by-play, shoot me. Uh, but, Jason, we got to get out. Got a four day, four game day here that we can enjoy. Folks can listen to the podcast. We'll, we'll be back again soon, maybe next week. I mean, we're taking it a little bit easy this month, and then once November hits, we'll definitely be back on our weekly. But you might see one more missed because my, uh, actually no, we'll probably be back next week, and then in two weeks probably not because then that's my birthday weekend. So and I'm actually it works out well because I'm on vacation the the weekend before Halloween. Perfect. So I'm be down. we're driving down to Orlando to go get a Disney trip. And so I will be out of pocket that uh, weekend of the uh, 21st. Perfect. You can plan for the 18th, folks. We're, we're, we're almost certainly be back. I'll tweet out if we aren't going to do something on the 18th. But then that next weekend, we will be off. Um, and then maybe we'll do something live from uh, Arizona. I think that could be yes. fun, too. So stay tuned for that again. We know the schedule's a little erratic in the offseason. I'm sure you folks expect it. We're not going anywhere. So just stick with us. Keep subscribed, and everything will be good. Jason, you have a great week. I'll talk to you later.
All right, man. You too. Bye.